Let's turn in God's Word this morning. Book of Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. Lord willing, uh, we'll close up our study of the book of Hebrews uh, next Lord's Day. As uh, we come to the close of that, encourage you uh, this evening, uh, Dr. Tim will be uh, following through on, I didn't even have to ask this time, uh, or assign it. He volunteered to preach a sermon on uh, a place that begins with the letter P, um, and that's paradise, which is uh, always a very intriguing and interesting subject for us as God's people uh, to consider. So I'd urge you to come uh, this evening. Uh, our family will be worshiping at Spencer Mills OPC tonight, uh, hearing Dr. Uh, Allen bring the word. So, uh, but this morning we're in Hebrews chapter 13. It's a short section, and I'm just going to read the verses, the verse that we're going to be considering this morning as we're going to be in several other texts uh, this morning as well and reading those in their entirety as, as well. But our text is simply verse 17 this morning where we hear God's word, God's living, breathed out word that does not change come to us today and say, obey your leaders, and submit to them. For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning. For that would be of no advantage to you. Thus far the reading of God's word. Let's bow in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the written word. We think that we can study it. We pray. We thank you for all the men and the, over the years who studied it and, and made lessons out of it so we have a clearer understanding of what we're listening to. We thank you for the word. We pray that you'll plant it deep in our hearts that we may draw closer to you by more knowledge of you. We ask for a blessing upon your service. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd invite you then, if you still have your Bibles open, to go back with me to another 13th chapter in the Bible, and that's Romans chapter 13. Because what we're going to do this morning is we're going to look at this text that we've just read from Hebrews 13, 17, but we need to look at it in the context of Romans 13. Because we need to make a distinction, a very clear distinction. And we, we have to be careful we don't cross the paths here. Roman, or Hebrews 13 is speaking about a very specific situation that you and I need to listen to what God is saying. But there is a broader, we could say, general principle that God gives to us as well. In Romans 13, we read, for example, let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted 
by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities, resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoing. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes, for the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. And then if you find as well, 1 Peter chapter 2, 1 Peter chapter 2, we read the following in regards to submission to authority. Remember, this is the Apostle Peter, right? This is, this is the sword carrier. This is the ear cutter off guy. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. Whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover up for evil but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. So as we consider then, we, we have these three passages now before us. The first point of our message this morning is this. Be subject to civil authorities. Now there's no doubt that this is a biblical command. Right? We, we, there's, there should be no debate that this is what the Bible commands us to do. We read it in Romans from the pen of Paul. We read it from Peter in 1 Peter chapter 2. That we are to be subject to civil authorities. We are to be subject to those who are in authority over us in a civil capacity. Government officials. We are to be subject to, to be placed under, to submit to. The reason why has also been clearly stated for us. Because God's ordained them. God's put them there. There is nothing that happens in this world that is outside of God's control. And we may not appreciate, we may not agree with those who are in power. I doubt very seriously that if you had given the Apostle Paul a vote, he would have been voting for the emperor of the day. I'm sure the Apostle Paul 
in writing Romans 13 is thinking, I don't agree with this guy. I don't agree with his policies. I I don't agree with the way this government is being run. Yet the Holy Spirit inspires Paul to write, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. And it is that authority that is eventually going to execute the Apostle Paul. The same thing with Peter. We certainly know that Peter okay, is no weak need, not going to express himself, wallflower. Right? The, the, the guy is a fisherman. He's as common, as ordinary as they come. I'm sure on tax day, he, he was probably shaking his head going, them Romans. Yet, the Holy Spirit inspires this very same Peter to say, be in submission to these governing authorities. Honor the emperor. And there is some historical evidence that the emperor he is referring to is actually going to be the emperor who's going to execute him. It's quite a a statement the Bible is making, isn't it? Statement from a man who was beaten several times by that Roman authority. And yet, let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. God has ordained them. But it is a limited authority. It only goes so far. It only deals with the realm in which they have been instituted by God. I'll cite three examples as to how we learn that that authority of a government is limited. One, I'll reference a few weeks ago to the sermon we had on Pua and Shipra. Right, the two Hebrew midwives who are given an order by Pharaoh. Make sure you kill the male children when those Hebrew women are birthing. But the text told us, but they did not do what Pharaoh ordered. They disobeyed. They disobeyed because there is a higher authority than the government, than those civil authorities. There is a higher authority than the emperor. There is a higher authority than the civil magistrate. And that authority is God himself. And because God has instituted commands, those commands are to be Obeyed, first and foremost. 
So you have a pharaoh, a civil authority, issuing a command to do something that is in violation to God's authority. Were Shipra and Pua supposed to subject themselves? No. They did not do what the Pharaoh asked, what the king asked. Or think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? Nebuchadnezzar has built this image. At the sound of the music, everybody who is there is supposed to bow down to the image. The music sounds, everybody bows, except for three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. King calls them in. Don't you know the rule? Know the rule, king. It's not a problem with ingrates. We know the rule. Then why don't you bow? Because we don't bow to anybody but God. We don't worship anyone. And the act of bowing is an act of worship. And we're not going to acknowledge you, Nebuchadnezzar, as God. There is but one God, and he has commanded us, do not bow to anybody but me. Well, then you're going to go into a fiery furnace. So be it. But give us a few seconds. Let us call uh, all of the militia that we can. Let's get them all their guns and we'll get over here and we'll shoot all of you before you can put us in the furnace. Uh, it's not quite the way a story goes, is it? Okay. If it's the furnace, we go. We trust our God. We'll do what it takes. But we're not going to bow. And those familiar with the story know that the Lord indeed was with them. Or a few chapters later, you have Daniel. I, I, I really like these three examples. You might say, why are you picking these three examples? Because all three of these examples have the people of Israel, the people of God, under a foreign or, let's just say, they're not in control. Right? They're under a pagan administration. That's what Shipra and Pua were. That's what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's what Daniel is. When, when the order comes, you can pray for the next 30 days to no one but the king. And we know it was all a trap. We know it was all a setup. Right? There were people who were jealous of Daniel. They didn't like Daniel. They want to take Daniel down a peg or two. Actually, they want him killed. So they're spying, they're watching. King says, you can't pray to anybody but me. Daniel continues his ritual, his habit of prayer. He's caught, brought before the king, sent to the lion's den. Okay. Yep, know the rule. Know the consequences. I'll go to the lion's den. And we know the outcome. But in all three of those instances, civil authority issued a command. In all three of those circumstances, those people said, 
we will not obey. Because you do not have the right, the jurisdiction, or the authority to make a command that forces me to be in direct conflict with what God has already decreed. It's limited. The reason we start here, okay, and not in Hebrews chapter 13, is because we're never going to get Hebrews 13 right if we don't get this right. Because these passages of Romans 13 and 1 Peter chapter 2 are being so misapplied, especially over this past year plus. They've been misapplied. First of all, they've been misused or misapplied by the church itself. Too many churches have said there are no exceptions to Romans 13 or 1 Peter chapter 2. The church must always comply with what the government tells it to do. If the government says you must shut your doors, shut your doors. If the government says you cannot worship, you cannot worship. If the government says you can worship but you can only have 10 people at your worship, then we can only have 10 people at our worship. There are too many churches, and I'll say it again, who have misapplied Romans 13 and 1 Peter chapter 2 in not seeing that the Bible limits that power and that authority. Yes, we are to be subject. Yes, we are to be submissive. But when that government oversteps its bounds oversteps its bounds, okay? See, it has bounds. And when it steps into this place, when it steps into the worship of God, it is the right, it is the duty, it is indeed a responsibility of every child of God to say no. No. The church, in too much of the United States, said, okay, we'll close. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain this very carefully, and I'm going to explain it, hopefully, for the last time, very, very carefully. When the orders came from the state of Michigan, from our governor, in regards to religious gatherings. We did not come under the same rules as New York or California. New York and California don't meet. That was never the rule here in the state of Michigan. Churches were exempted. When you read it, you read it carefully, she exempted churches from it. 
Now, I know you're gonna, you, you, you probably heard there's a lot of people out there, oh, governor said we couldn't meet. Governor said we couldn't meet. Eh, actually, she didn't really say that. She wanted you to think it. <laughs> she wanted you to act that way. But she didn't say that. You say, well, wait a minute. Why did we close then? I will state it, I will state it as emphatically as I possibly can. When we closed as Little Farms, we did not close because of a governor's order. We knew we had the right to meet. We knew that it would have been okay for us to be here. Why did we not meet? Did any one of us know what was coming? Look, if we're on the, this afternoon and the sky turns this grisly yellow-green, we're all going, I think there's a storm of some sort brewing. I wonder what Bill Steffen's saying right now. And we see this line. Cross Lake Michigan, those purples, those magentas. And he's saying, everything is ripe. I, I can't say there will be a tornado, but everything is ripe. Man, it's looking that way. What do we do? What do we do as a church? We say, you know what? It's in the best interest of our congregation not to be gathering tonight. There is something brewing. It has the potential of being very harmful, of being very lethal. The idea of all of us being in one place is not wise. We would be better off each in our own separate homes to limit the severity of the possibility of what may come when a storm arises. We made a decision in the best interest of what we thought at that time as elders. Not because of the government, but we didn't know. Nor did anybody. Nobody knew. The government didn't know either. That's part of our frustration, right? Nobody knew. And you may say, well, we should have met. Yeah, but you don't bear the responsibility of that decision. That decision of life and possibly death was in the hands of the elders. As members, you just get to come and go. It doesn't, it, there, there's no, nothing on your shoulders over it. There is on ours. Just like if we, if we were to say, ah, oh, there's a big storm out there, we don't care, we're going to meet, and a tornado comes in and wipes us all out. I know what some of you, well, the elders should have canceled, they should have seen the warning. Yeah, that would have been pretty wise to do. So this was not a question of authority. This was a question of the elders seeking to be wise. 
seeking to be guarded. And I'm going to tell you this. Any church that didn't take that into consideration and just kept meeting and meeting and meeting, I'd really question if your best interests are really, really being thought of. Now, obviously, we've come to understand that, hmm, this isn't where it was, right? But the fact that something came and something happened, we cannot deny. We have people in our congregation who are in the hospital. We had people in our congregation, thank God, we didn't lose anyone, but who were near death. It was pretty precarious. There's been some who have been very sick, very ill. And we got it April. What if that had happened in March? Last March. It was simply a point of wisdom. A point of discernment. Of saying for the health, for the well-being, for those of you who are elderly, for those of you who have those premorbidities, right? Heard one guy talk about the fact, well, our congregation met. Yeah, everybody in their congregation is under 30. Hmm. And they have 20 people. Hmm. Not quite the same, is it? It's not quite the same apples to apples. A congregation of 20 basically healthy people under 30, as far as a congregation of upwards of 250, with many elderly, many people dealing with various health issues. It doesn't seem like a straight comparison. And what's happened in the church is this. You didn't meet, you can't be a Christian. You met, how could you be a Christian? Oh, Satan so won this. When the question is not so much a question of the authority of the government, but the question of what is the better part of wisdom. But you know, part of what has happened here with Romans 13 and 1 Peter chapter 2 is that the government has misapplied this too, hasn't, haven't they? Our own governor eventually got a slap on the hands that said, you overstepped it. Why? Because she, too, is under an authority. She's under, yes, the authority of God, but there's also this thing called the Michigan Constitution. But there's also this document called the United States Constitution. And she eventually got her hands slapped. You can't do that. Found a way around it. But you know, I seriously wonder sometimes how many of us were so angry. How many of you called Luke Meerman? 
How many of you called? Few. Huh. Note that. I saw two hands. Okay. So, so where, where were all the phone calls? To state senators. Okay. See, that's our responsibility. See, that, that, that's not a, if, if you don't like mask, okay, that's not a Romans 13 and 1 Peter 2 question. That's a Luke Meerman question. That, that's that issue. Meeting for church, yeah, now we got to deal with this. But you see, that falls within their parameters, but if you think that overreaches the Constitution, then it's a Constitution issue. And you deal with it through those means. That's how this works. That's how God arranges this. This is the value that we have as citizens. And my guess is, okay, out of the people who don't like this, that we've been through, a pretty, pretty, pretty small percentage actually did anything in regards to it. But that's our responsibility as citizens. It's not my right as a Christian to somehow extrapolate from the Daniel three friends, Shipra and Pua, and Daniel himself, some sort of right that I now have to disobey the government on all ends. Isn't there? Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except that which comes from God. So that brings us back then to Hebrews. Hebrews 13, 17, obey your leaders. But you see, Hebrews 13, 17 is not about the civil government. Hebrews 13, 17 is about church authority. It's about the authority that is instituted here in the body of Christ. Here in the church of Jesus Christ. The reference here of obey, and it's interesting, you have be subject to, but here you have obey your leaders and submit to them. Obedience implies the idea of action. Submitting implies the idea of attitude. Action and attitude. The author of Hebrews has written to us before about leaders. Verse 7, remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Those are the leaders of the past. He's going to bring it up again in verses 22 through 24. I appeal to you, brothers, bear with my word of exhortation, for I have written you briefly. You should know that our brother Timothy has been released, with whom um, I see you, if he comes soon, greet all your leaders and all the saints. Right? He, he's not talking about the emperor. He's not talking about Rome. He's talking about their church. 
And he's saying, you need to obey them. This is a biblical authority. This is God coming and saying, within the sphere of the church, you need to obey your leaders. It's the vow you take. The fifth vow when you make profession of faith, when you join little farms, is the vow. Do you promise to participate faithfully in this church's worship and service? To submit in the Lord to its government? To submit. To say, I will obey. Not only in my actions, but in my attitude. I will obey. And to heed its discipline. Even in case you should become delinquent in doctrine or life. But that too has its limitations. Right? See, a lot of people in this discussion with the civil government want to throw out Acts chapter 5. Peter and John before the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin is not a civil authority. The Sanhedrin was a religious authority. You can't use the example of Peter and John before the Sanhedrin as an example of how we are to conduct ourselves before the civil authority. It's a church matter. And when that church says, you may not teach in the name of Jesus Christ, Peter and John say, sorry, we're going to keep doing it. Because we must obey God rather than men. So even in the realm, see, even in the realm of the church, the church's authority is also limited. The church, the elders, can't make you do something that goes against the word of God. That is always the limitation. This is the part where cults go off the deep end. Because they go beyond the word of God. Right? They, they demand all of your finances. They demand all of your records. Uh, they, they demand that you give your wife to the cult leader or whatever, or your children. Right? Far beyond the call and the scope of Scripture. Our obedience is always to be God. To be to God. So if our church leaders were to ask us to do something that was in complete violation of the word of God, we have the right to say, sorry, I won't agree. When kids come for a profession of faith, I always use the example, okay, it'll get me in trouble with some of you, but I always use the example, the church never has the right, the elders don't have the right to tell you to buy a Ford or a Chevy. That's your own foolish decision, right? Oh, but they do. They do. You say, what? The church can tell you to buy a Ford or a Chevy? Well, not particularly the brand. But if the church knows you're up to your eyeballs and beyond in debt, and that you owe Freddie, who is a member of the church, a lot of money, and now you go out and buy a new vehicle, putting yourself further in debt, likelihood of the fact that Freddie's not going to get his money from you, you've wronged your brother. Of course the church has a right to speak to that. Does the church have a right to speak to your job? To a certain extent, 
You want to become a pole dancer? Yeah, we're probably going to address that. that that's going to be a subject of conversation. Is it an absolute right? No. Because God always limits the authority of every human institution, even of the church, by saying, I am the ultimate authority. In the Lord. I am to submit in the Lord. Look at the rest of 17 with me quickly. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls. You realize that is the elders' responsibility? I referenced a few minutes ago health, your well-being, your protection. Yes. But even more so, even more so, your soul. In Ezekiel chapter 3, God comes to Ezekiel and he says to Ezekiel, I have appointed you as a watchman over the souls, over the lives of your brethren. That's the responsibility that an elder bears. Your soul. And we're to be watchmen. God goes on to tell Ezekiel that if you see the enemy approaching and you fail, you fail to take account of that, you fail to warn your brethren of the approaching enemy, I'm going to demand your life. I'm going to demand your life. But if you warn a man and he heeds it, ah, the blessings, the blessings. They watch over your soul. God in his, in his arrangement of authority has placed over your life elders. Elders who have a God Christ-given authority over your soul. So if they see that you're a frog sitting in some water that's beginning to boil and they tell you, you need to get out of that pot. And you're thinking, but I like warm water. Just remember the warning that they sound is a warning for your soul because they have to give an account. Not to one another, not to you. They have to give an account to God. We let that person boil. Remember earlier in this chapter the sounding about False teaching, to stay away from it. False theology, stay away from it. 
have nothing to do with it. And I'm going to tell you, as a grandparent, if I ever see a hot burner and I see one of my little grandchildren's hands going up on top of that stove, believe me, folks, I'm not going to say, honey, watch your hand. I'm going to warn them. I'm going to warn them. And it may frighten them. They may cry. Grandpa yelled at me. Yeah, yeah. But Grandpa yelled. Because he knows the danger. That's what elders do. Yeah, sometimes it can be, you need to get out of the pot. It's starting to warm up. Hey, there's bubbles in that water. You need to get out. And sometimes it's, get out now. Because you see, they need to answer to God for this. They have that responsibility. So make sure. See, here comes your responsibility. Make sure that their job is a joy. That it's a joy. Not one that makes them groan. Not one that makes them toss. Not one that says, concerned about so-and-so's soul. They're not in church anymore. They're not coming to church. They're not studying God's word. They're living a life apart from God's word. They're not living up to their vow. They're between two opinions. God, we can't get enough people to serve. Make sure their life isn't a groaning. Make sure it's a joy, a blessing, a delight. Obey your leaders. Last week, Sunday evening, I prayed. Part of the evening prayer for the congregation that night was to pray for our elders as they deal with now the, the sort of the aftermath of COVID and where are people and what's going on and what's happening, what's going on in people's lives. And it's becoming apparent there are some who are not hearing the warning. They get little letters, nice notes. Hank Feldman writes nice notes. Where are you at? What's going on? Sometimes there's a lot of groaning in that. Make their life a joy. Make it a blessing. Make it a delight. Father, thank you. We know Jesus Christ rules. We know Jesus Christ reigns. We know Jesus Christ is the one who has absolute authority over all things. Lord, we on this end, we struggle. We've been through a year in this nation of, we don't know what's going on anymore. We don't recognize this place. 
We don't recognize this nation. It saddens us. But Lord, the reality is far too many of us have done precious little. Precious little. Help us to be the citizens that we should be of this nation. We have a lot of freedom. We have a lot of rights. Help us to exercise those. Help us to use those rights. Even as the Apostle Paul did. As a Roman citizen. Help us, Lord, to to be mindful of what our duty and what our responsibility is. But help us always to be mindful of the fact we need to wear Christ. We need to wear Christ in all of these conversations. We also realize, Lord, we are frail, sinful human beings. We don't make perfect decisions. We are not all-knowing as you are. We are not all-wise. Even we as elders, Lord, understand that. We know our limitations. We know our shortcomings. We can't see into the future. And yet we're called upon, Lord, to to be responsible for the lives of individuals. Not only their physical lives in many respects, we're also responsible, Lord, for their spiritual lives, which is of far more consequence. And so we pray for wisdom and discernment for our elders. But we also pray, Father, for us as a congregation. Father, it is indeed a blessing and a joy and a delight to serve at Little Farms. There really are relatively few problems and few issues. And we thank you for that. We're going to sing about, or we've sung about being one, being united, one in Christ. And that is a blessing these days. It is a joy. And Lord, that's been the blessing of this past year and a half. It has been a joy. And yet, Lord, that that doesn't mean there isn't work. And we just pray that, that we might continue on the path of bringing joy and delight to our elders. To those, Lord, who who are perhaps uh, those who need a little push this morning in that regard, help them to feel the nudge. But help this congregation also, Father, to take joy and delight in the leadership you have given to them, the delight, Father, in being the body of Christ here at Little Farms. May we serve Christ always, only. In his name. God's people say, amen.